Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening where we where we are set to continue our reflections into these special topics each and every Thursday. What I typically do is take a question or two from you and respond to that question. And often in my response to that question, what I like to do is just not answer your very specific question, but give you some larger context to whatever it is that I'm talking about. Now, for this evening, what I wanted to do was respond to a question uh, regarding pornography. Joe, what is pornography, and uh, how might I better understand it so as to better respond to it? Now, this isn't necessarily a question that is apologetic per se, but certainly one that is a special topic. Um, as the question is posed to me, this has a whole lot more to do with just being versed in what pornography is. And yeah, to some degree, for those of you who might be struggling with pornography out there, maybe some things to think about in working your way out of this great plague of pornography. So this evening is about pornography. Now, I have talked about this subject matter before within the context of theology of the body. Just because we've talked about something before, it doesn't mean that we can't talk about it again. Because one of the things that happens every time you talk about a, a, a subject matter a second or third time is that you gain more insight, right? So the hope and the prayer is, for this evening, we might continue to gain more insight into this subject matter. Now, in principle, what I want to do is draw from my book. As many of you know, I have a chapter on pornography in my book, A Heart for Evangelizing. Some of you might be asking, why are you talking about pornography in A Heart for Evangelizing? Well, as I mentioned in my book, one of the, the major stumbling blocks and the reasons uh, why we don't evangelize as we should is because too many of us are stuck in this muck and mire of pornography. So, all that being said, I want to start with a, a story. A few years ago, I was in an airplane uh, flying back from Oxford, England, when I found myself in a pretty interesting situation. On my left was a young man who happened to be reading some sort of pornographic magazine. On my right was an older gentleman who wanted to talk about God. And I could not help but think that this moment was ordained by God for an opportunity to talk about the Catholic faith to both of them. And this is what I did. To make a long story short, the discussion was dominated by the topic of sexuality and ultimately really a counter response to that contemporary maxim, what is sex if not for pleasure? Certainly by the end of the plane trip, we all parted ways with, at the very least, a deeper understanding of our human sexuality. Uh, it was a 13-hour plane trip. And, and so in the end, this discussion is really what moved me to, to research further into the subject of pornography. What is pornography? Well, 
pornography, as it is uh, highlighted in the Catechism, paragraph 2354, consists in the removing real or simulated acts from the intimacy of partners in order to display them to third parties. Uh, the word itself, pornography, is derived from the Greek uh, porne uh, graphene, which literally translates as the writing of harlots. So this Greek compound conveys pornography as, in a manner of speaking, obscene writing or art that has no merit. So when our bodies are used for nothing more than acts of harlotry, acts that are separate from their intended purpose to bring about babies and bonding, they have no merit. They have no, no purpose. My dear friends, in pornography, Satan is doing what he has been doing since the dawn of time, exploiting the nakedness of man. This is what we read in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Recall that man is created in his image and likeness. Male and female, he created them. In the sin of pornography, Satan is plagiarizing that there is a sacramentality to our body, that there's spiritual meaning to our body, specifically as it communicates how we image God. You see, my friends, as John chapter 8, verse 44 reminds us, the father of all lies, Satan, does not want us to see that the sexual urge is necessary for the more authentic love to develop. And so what does he do? He busies himself around the clock, hijacking from our personal and collective consciences the body's potential in its sexuality to give glory to God. Now, at its center, the industry of pornography rests in, of course, the selfish use of persons and vendors for base pleasure causing great harm to the dignity of its participants and the sanctity of the conjugal act of marriage. And we know, my friends, that pornography has far-ranging communal effects as social media outlets, video stores, magazines, and businesses as a whole are accumulating billions of dollars annually in the stead of pornography. As I noted in my book, in a study, oh, some 10 years ago out of Salt Lake City, the Desert News Top 10 Review reported findings from the pornographic industry that were alarming. And these are numbers that you can find these days really anywhere. But I share these statistics with you now just for you to get a, a grasp of what we are dealing with. That every 39 minutes, a new pornographic video is being produced. And certainly that is increasing. I think we can now put that in the 24-25 minute range. Every single second... Over 28,000 internet users are viewing pornography worldwide. Think about that. Since we have started this radio program, hundreds of thousands of people have been viewing pornography. The pornography industry claimed over $97 billion of net value. And that is on the internet alone, which totals more than Microsoft, Google, Yahoo, and Apple combined. The United States is host to over 244 million adult web pages, and that is increasing. And maybe the worst and most startling reality is that the average age of first internet exposure to internet pornography is 11 years old. 
in a study from Covenant Eyes in 2014, it has been found that at least 90% of all boys before the age of 18 have been exposed to internet pornography, particular to mobile devices. The research mogul Google has reported that one out of every five of their search hits are for pornography. And certainly while the young adult male is most likely to tap into the use of pornography, the percentages from Covenant Eyes report that this is a problem that touches each gender and every age demographic. Interestingly enough, the most frequented eight-hour block that pornography is viewed online What do you think? Maybe 9 o'clock at night to 5 o'clock in the morning. Maybe 2 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock in the morning. How about 9 a.m. to 5 p.m.? So the time that we are supposed to be producing as an industry is the time that we're tapping into pornography. Covenant Eyes was also reporting with its study on pornography that 56% of divorce cases involve one party, having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. Brothers and sisters, in the end, a careful examination of these numbers and facts reveal that we are slipping from a culture with a problem of pornography to a culture that has become a pornoculture, a culture that has enshrined pornography for a culture that seeks to advance in its functional purpose at all costs. That utilitarianism, right? Pornography has become the sexual expression of our culture's overemphasis on our functionality, if you will. Now, on this topic of functionality, uh, utilitarianism, I want to share with you an experience that I recently had that moved me on a very deep and personal level. I was recently watching an interview of a young lady by the name of Brittany, who was sharing her story about rising to the top of the adult film industry. She uh, was talking plainly about her desires as a teenager to live the lifestyle of the rich and famous. She said that she was often told how beautiful she was and that she can hit it big one day. Well, one day she got her chance and it landed her on the streets of Hollywood shooting what kind of films but adult films. And on some days, twice a day. She indeed was living the lifestyle of the rich and famous traveling all across the world. As she tells her story, she spoke of an increasing emptiness that would begin to take a toll on her life. She became addicted to crack and heroin as she tried to dull her senses from what she was engaging in every day. And I'll never forget when she said, in her own words, I was starting to feel like plastic, like a Barbie doll. It was then that she spoke about how she stumbled upon a Christian outreach group ministering to those who were involved in the adult film industry. And while it took some time, months of ministering to her, she experienced the love of Christ in her life and has since renounced her life as a porn star. Remarkably, she now travels telling her story of conversion and the many lies that drive the pornography industry. By the end of the interview, personally, I was profoundly touched. I was made to reflect upon a number of things. First, behind every adult film, there are actors who are broken, depressed, and suffer from an absence of love. Second, these actors are no 
less more human than anyone else and our need of our intercessory prayers. It is so easy, my friends, to, in our commercialized culture, separate the Hollywood industry from reality. We often want to, what, go to the movies to escape reality. But in point in fact, we ought to be reminded that such a separation from acting and reality can in many ways lead to a kind of amnesia that forgets actors are human beings who suffer just like the rest of us. Lastly, as it relates to Brittany, I was intensely moved by her statement, feeling like plastic like a Barbie doll. In of itself, these words from Brittany act like a prism, I think, from which to understand the, the pornographic narrative as an industry that is not personal, but again, utilitarian. In this vein, this young lady offered for us a very important challenge. It is time to make this issue personal. That being said, you know, every research analyst will tell you that statistics do not solve the problem, but only inform you of the problem. And every testimony shared can give you insight into the problem, but not always solve the problem. So where do we go from here? Well, Christ teaches purity. Purity. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes clear the locus of purity and its possession of the vision of God. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. This beatitude refers to the purity of heart, the purity of body, the purity of intellect that predisposes us to see the goodness of God. The Greek word for pure, as I've noted on many occasions, is katharos, which literally translates as pure or clean. This Greek word also has a rich uh, historical context. There is a direct allusion to the Old Testament Levitical priestly sense of the word and the rite of purification. Here we are made to see that the pure of heart are individuals who have not been corrupt by defilement or profanity, but ultimately possess a heart that has been consecrated to God. The, the Greek can also mean without mixture, to be one thing. We see God when we are pure, because we are single-hearted for God. We are single-minded for God. Our heart is not polluted by other things. It has not been, literally in the Greek, mixed with other things. So in the light of all of this, we ought to better see why purity is quintessential to faithfully living out our primary vocation as sons and daughters of God. If we are going to overcome our inclination to sin concupiscence, right? And it's impure intentions. We must make purity um, a permanent condition of our spirit, because it is in this state where we become acutely aware of situations and settings that might encourage sexual behavior that is not compatible with purity. Now, for example, the pure of heart envisions the importance of maybe not watching a television program that would even encourage thoughts and behavior that lead us down the path of of pornographic behavior. In many respects, my friends, purity is about achieving the state of holiness in and through the sacred offering of our whole being to God. Essentially, as the Catechism reminds us, purity guards the intimate center of the person. Consequently, in the absence of purity, there is an absence of a moral foundation that affirms the truth of our sexuality and the proper integration of it in our relationship. Oh, by the way, the Hebrew word for truth, emeth, also means 
pure, right? When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, what he is speaking to there is also the purity of who he is. This is why on the cross he restores us to the origins of our purity. So again, in the absence of this purity, there is an absence of a moral foundation that affirms the truth of our sexuality and the proper integration of it in our relationships. Certainly we could say, as revealed by the aforementioned statistics, this has a far-ranging impact upon society as a whole. It is no wonder why our culture is downsizing programs on abstinence and purity and upgrading programs in, in health education, which has done nothing but codify this, this pornoculture. Brothers and sisters, the time is long overdue to really evangelize the industry that is sapping the innocence of our youth and brainwashing individuals on what the consummative act is really about, babies and bonding, so as to begin to rediscover ultimately who we are before God, right? And praise God for those ministries that are doing the very thing that I'm talking about now, reaching out to those who are in the adult film industry, the likes of those who reached out to Brittany. So aware of everything that I'm talking about right now, certainly great is the urgency for us to guard the heart against the hypersexualization that has encircled our culture. We need to be fervent, right, in the task to evangelize and catechize on the church's teaching of purity and its larger context of theology of the body. We must pick ourselves up if we fail in this area of lust and seek God's forgiveness. It might be important to, to footnote, <laughs> do not forget, my friends, that the first sinner Christ forgives is the prostitute. So the first sin that Christ forgives in the gospel is sexual sin. Christ is aware of the struggle. In regards to our role in our local communities, we would be well served to remember the words of St. Francis, to sanctify oneself is to sanctify society. Before societies change, man must first change. If the task is to be realized, Christ's gift of purity must be actualized in our hearts and be that permanent condition of our spirit. Furthermore, guarding the heart against any impurity must also take up the challenge to avoid any moral laxity, laziness, while the rise in pornography has everything to do with the absence of a moral foundation, it's easy access <laughs> by way of the computer, our iPhones, our iPhones and our iPads does not help to curtail the problem. For many of us, whether we are a teacher, accountant, web designer, or so on, time on the internet obviously is necessary. It is the time on our computer that would fall under the category of idle time that we ought to be guarding against, right? And yes, that does include such social media norms as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the blogosphere. All of these things can be used for good, but don't think for a second that Satan isn't using them. The pure heart, my friends, requires a purification of the social climate. The Catechism reminds us it requires of the communications media that their presentations show concern for respect and restraint. Purity of heart brings freedom from widespread eroticism 
and avoids entertainment inclined to voyeurism and illusion. Now, voyeurism, right, speaking to the eyes. So when we're watching pornography, sitting with the eyes, voyeurism. So once again, we ought to be mindful of the overarching principle of what you feed grows. If we enjoy something, we will want more of it. The more time you spend with something, the more you will be attached to it. The less time you spend with something, the less you will be attached to it. Vice begets vice and virtue begets virtue. So my dear friends, let us avoid the the portal of pornography, that we would not be attached, addicted to pornography. Practically speaking, shutting the computer down when we grow tired would at the very least help our cause. Now, all that being said, let us revisit the definition of pornography from the Catechism as it draws our attention to the sacrament of marriage and the conjugal act within marriage. As the Catechism states, pornography causes great harm to the sanctity of the conjugal act in marriage. As a simulated act, my friends, pornography sterilizes and we could say sabotages the real gift of self intended for the conjugal act in marriage. For this reason, the act calls for the virtue of charity. Brothers and sisters, purity is about self-mastery. And as such, a virtue that is understood in light of charity. This is important because the gift of self, in many ways, is the fullness of charity, right? To will the good of the other for the sake of other. Moreover, such sacrificial charity emerges as the fulcrum to holiness. Recall that the word sacrifice, coming from the Latin sacrum fice, literally translates as to make holy. The barometer of our Christian life here on earth And indeed, holiness is the measure to which we share, of course, in the one sacrifice of Christ. If you're to go to Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, Colossians 1, 24, 1 Peter 4, 13, all of those verses speak to this. And I should add, the measure to which we share in the one sacrifice of Christ in our vocation of marriage. So for this reason, we are called to replace that empty time before the computer where we are tempted to download pornography with time of solitude and prayer. Out from our prayer is where we will find the strength necessary to overcome the temptations of the adversary. For all the hours we spend before our computer screens, it is necessary, my friends, to see that such time turn into prayer can be a profound offering to God. And again, as I've noted before, the desk that your computer sits on ought to be an altar, a place where you offer up your work to God. Maybe next time you go to your computer screen for either work or social media, offer up a prayer and see what happens, my friends. I started doing this and it began to have a huge impact on my output. Brothers and sisters, God desires that every moment become a sacramental moment, that each and every moment be charged with eternal significance. And when we put on Christ, as Colossians chapter 3 verse 10 reminds us, certainly what we are doing is putting on the virtue of Christ, the garment of Christ, the holiness of Christ. You know, the old Christian adage of avoid the near occasion of sin 
are to be applied anywhere and everywhere, but especially to the trappings of Satan in his plotting of temptation towards pornography. For the sake of our personal holiness and certainly marriages, brothers and sisters, we must fight the good fight and not give in to this towering evil of pornography. As I revisit that trip from Oxford to San Francisco, I'm often reminded of the tension that exists between man's divine quest for holiness and at the same time, inclination to sin. (laughs) Sitting in the middle of those two men made me reflect into that fork in the road that exists for all of us. Are we going to take the route of sacrifice and holiness or the route of self-satisfaction and spiritual death? John Paul II once said that people are made to be loved and things are made to be used. We love things and use people. This attitude of, of selfishness, especially within the context of pornography, has left us, my dear friends, with a wounded culture that is in dire need of recovering our sexuality as a gift from God. And so let us take up the task of clothing ourselves with a garment of purity and at once avoiding the plight of pornography. Because the bottom line is, if you and I fail in that task, then we just don't fail in our personal vocation of holiness, but we fail society as a whole. We fail society as a whole. Certainly there's a lot that the government should be doing, and to some degree uh, is doing right now as we speak. But that's only going to go as far as you and I take up the mission that is saying no to pornography. Let us focus on the purity of Christ, overcome that temptation, and give glory to God all the while. Amen? Amen. All right, let us close with a word of prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, The website is joeholcraft.org.